Hi fam, welcome back to the Diary of a Chocolate Girl podcast. If this is your first time joining me, welcome new friend. I hope you're doing well. Um, I hope you like our content and hopefully you're eager to return for more because that is definitely the goal. <laughs> so for today's episode, we will be going over the topic of divorce. But not only divorce, it will be shared from the perspective of a young divorcee and his journey through it, as well as his thoughts and emotions from his own personal experience. Now, I know the last episode we spoke on breaking societal norms, and I think today's episode was kind of a great transition just to be able to give you guys a great insight on how our generation deals with not only marriage, but unfortunately divorce as well. Um, I know that's probably never an easy topic to go over, and I'm just super happy that this brave individual is here to join us. So without further delay, I would like to take the time to allow today's guest to introduce himself. Hey guys, uh, Chocolate Fam. My name is Will. I'm 34, uh, working pharmaceuticals. I'm the youngest of three and I'm the only son. So some people might say I'm a little spoiled. I agree. I'm kidding. Welcome, baby boy. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. I am the youngest of three as well. Look at this having stuff. Ladies, he's single. Hence, he's here on a divorce episode, but still. You know, future <laughs> shot. <laughs> so today, I just really, really want to thank you for joining us. Um, just giving an opportunity for you to share your point of view and your perspective on um, your experience with this topic and what you went through. And we'll kind of go through that with some questions and just allow you to tell your story um, and your perspective of how it occurred, what happened when you went through it, what were some emotions and thoughts you were feeling, and just overall how you're dealing with it today. Because um, I'm pretty sure it's something that. It's constantly affects your everyday life. Um, not saying forever you have to be traumatized, guys. Don't go out there and tell people I said that because I didn't. So we'll go ahead and jump right into it without any delay. I want you both to kind of give us a brief history of your marriage timeline. Like when did you guys meet? How long did you for? Because we all want to know because any ladies are taking any notes. <laughs> and how long were you married? Okay, yeah, I jumped right into it. Um, if you guys hear something, you're like, man, that took a while. Just Just go with the flow. So <laughs> we met in college and I went to a HBCU and we were, I was just there sitting on the bench and I, I saw this cute chocolate girl you know, that was walking past me and her face looked familiar from the church bus because we used to go to this mega church and every Sunday you pack up almost like sardines in a, in a church bus and I, her face looked familiar. So, you know, like any man, I shot my shot. You know, and I was I was a nerd, so I was in a lab coat sitting on a bench. So it was a it was a weird shot. So I, I walked up to her and I was like, "Hey, man, we I think we go to the same church. Uh, can I have your number? I'd like to take you out." And uh, just that she forward. hit me with the just that forward, right? Because I was like, no other man in a lab coat has ever probably stepped to her. So this is like new territory. You know, she's about to get glowed up. Wow. And and yeah, she hit me with the no. You know, I was like, no. <laughs> And, and she was like, no, you can't have my number. Like she reiterated. And I'm like, what about your email? And she was like, okay. So she gave me her email and I spammed it. Guys, I like hit up, yo, let's meet, let's meet. So I did that for about two weeks. And then we finally met for coffee. And it was just, um, she was more creative and, and I'm a scientist. So it, it just kind of, it just worked. So right. after meeting, we, we dated, maybe we started dating about a month before. And a lot of people might ask, well, when did courtship start? And this relationship was a little bit different because before I was able to date her, I had to go like a breakfast with her parents. 
Oh. So I had to ask her parents for permission to date her. Yeah, yeah, this was this is different. It was at Chick Fil A. Never forget it. You know, back when I ate chicken. Or yes, the Lord's food. Come on, Come on. <laughs> Jesus would do it. So <laughs> I'm there stuffing my mouth with you know tater tots and the chicken biscuits, right? And her dad was like, "So what are your intentions with my daughter?" And that's when that chicken got really dry. And I'm like, "Hmm." You know, where the lemonade at? So I just, I was like, you know, I want to date her. And they were like, we don't date, we court. So they, they let me know that there was intentional. a, man, you know, those old school parents there. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So, so they described to me what courtship was. And um, after that, you know, cause she wasn't there. I called her on the phone. She already knew what happened. We started dating. Um, so we were still in college and me, like many college students, um, I was still trying to find myself. And so I say all that to say that we were on and off for six years. Wow. You know, break up to make up to break up to make up. Uh, But uh, after that last time she dumped me because she was like, you know, I feel like it's not going anywhere. I don't have a ring. I feel like you don't have a plan. And we stayed broken up for for a good eight months. Um, But we, we met again by chance. She had hit me up and was like, I still got some pictures of you. I'm about to throw them away. You could come and get them. So I came and got them and, and we started back up and, and she had that ring like within four months. And we did the pre-marriage counseling. We we were engaged for uh, slightly over a year and then we got married. Um, yeah. So and we were we got married in Jamaica at sunset. It was a pretty cool ceremony. Seventy five guests. And we stayed married for three years. Three years. All right. So it was on and off for six years. You guys did that infamous break most people talk about before you ultimately got married and lasted for three years, correct? Yeah. So total, if you include that one year of being engaged, it was a decade. Ooh, decade. I ain't got the time. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you for that timeline. Kind of put things into place of a timeline that's created perspective. So. What factors did you consider when deciding to proceed with with divorce? Was it a mutual thing or was it a one-party decision? How that worked? I felt like this question has so many layers. It does. Um, Intentional. (laughs) So I would say um, a week after our one-year anniversary, my father passed away, right? Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of men... They build up their their lives on whether or not they have a father, and if they do have a father, what their father told them. So, so the relationship with a, a male and his father, whether it's known or unknown, is is always significant. So, I say that because um, what was one of the factors that led into the divorce was me still not getting over the fact that my my dad died, and and I should have done more, and that shame, and I kept on projecting it. On, on her. And as I was projecting it on her, um, I was creating up these boundaries, you know? So it allowed me to to build more emotional relationships with friends than with my wife at that time, because, you know, she was the face of everything that was going wrong. So so that was one of the, the major factors where um, I have yet to, at that time, I didn't forgive myself for what I did and, and didn't do for my father as he was passing away. So, so she kind of became... So my partner, my my enemy, right? Did you feel like it became a chore to be a husband while dealing with that morning of your father passing? Yeah, or 
or better yet, I, I just felt like I wasn't equipped to be a husband. Right? I felt like it caused too much energy and I wasn't even a good enough man to be there as, as my dad died. So what I did is I started speaking inside myself and I started telling myself that, you know, I, I'm not a good man. I'm not a good husband. I'm not enough. And as you plant that seed of doubt, um, I projected her as her saying that I'm not enough when it was really just me. So that was that was one major factor. So a lot of times, guys, we, we hear that divorce is not an option. You know, you hear from your parents, you hear from friends, you hear from people at church. So when my faith started shaking, that's when um, divorce became an option for me. So me and where I was in my faith journey was something that proceeded with the divorce. Um, so as you can see, just with a couple of those reasons, um, it wasn't a mutual decision to get divorced. It was a, a self-centered decision. It was my decision at first. She had strong faith. She thought I was enough. Um, but I was struggling with forgiveness in my mindset and a lot of personal baggage I didn't unpack. So I was selling that divorce really hard. Okay. I know you mentioned that you felt like you could have did more. What do you feel that more was? So I, I don't know how other people are, but for me, in a relationship, you always have to question, like, have I done enough? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what it was. Like, when I say more in the relationship, I feel like I could have been more attentive. I could have worked less hours. I could have basically did the the minimum, which is just show up and, and be there. But I, I, I chose to, as you're going through emotionally and even as spiritually you shake, a lot of times you like to stand on something that you're really good at. And what I was really good at were the two things, right? Work, so I could pour myself into work and then running, right? So I could pour myself in these long distance races or hours of running. So I was just, I was good at just putting up these boundaries. And what I felt like I could have done more with my dad is, again, I could have flew home more often. And we talked every day, but I could have talked in person. You know, I felt like my presence was required and absence was, was my choice. So these were pretty much all you would say, internal assessments of not feeling good enough and just having regrets and things you could have done differently. Yeah, that and... And it was just a lot of people say you don't know who you're with into something, you know, the bad times happen. But I would say you also got to focus on the good times. And what happened is as I started to get success in my job, I started to get like this inflated ego. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's parts of me that thought, you know, I could do better. Like I'm happy, but the grass could be greener. So I would say that lie that you tell yourself, that lack of being content also perpetuated a, a lie to myself that this is not the situation I want to be in. Okay. Nice. Appreciate you sharing that. I know a lot of people wouldn't exactly admit that, especially when we know we're in the wrong. That's kind of a hard pill for most people to swallow of, hey, I can admit that I could have did A, B, and C better, or I know I kind of fell short in this area. So I think it takes a huge part of yourself to be able to admit those wrongs. But then the most important step is being how can you correct those? Um, so with that being said, how has divorce affected you and in what way? Yeah, all these questions with layers, man. 
I would, I would say this. Um, the people that are married that, that think that divorce is, is an option and, and they go that divorce route, I would say you don't really know how that divorce will affect you to that day one. You know, it's like some people look at it as a prison sentence and then you get freed. Guys, my experience was not like that. <laughs> like, um, I got divorced. We signed the papers. The judge was like, go ahead. You're a single man now. And I just know in my head it was going to be like Bill Bellamy, how to be a player. But was it wasn't. A man or, or female? He said the judge was a man, you know. The oh, okay. Judge, not, yeah. I said I wasn't going to say anything negative about him. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, don't do not do it. You know, because he was like, that. be free. That's fine. That's fine. And she was present? No, she was not present. Oh, so I was like, that's not. really, okay. All right. Yeah. Never mind. Go ahead. But, but the judge was like, be free. Just don't get anyone pregnant. Like the judge was this, this old man. But I was like, this advice is different. But okay, I'm going with it. So as soon as I walked out the courthouse and everything, I was like, you know, I'm going to treat myself to a, a mani petty because you got to take care of your hands and your toes and, and some why, you know, I'm just and I was. And that's when it hit me. It's like a, the gravity of the decision that I pushed so hard for. It hit me. It's like you got what you wanted. And. And now, this is your new reality. Mm -hmm. And guys, it was just, uh, it was a, it started a, a downward spiral. Um, I didn't even know I was spiraling until like the ones close to me was like, you know, what are you, what's going on? And the reason I say downward spiral is I built a life with this person. I said an oath to God with this person. And now I don't have this person. So it caused me to question, like, who am I? Mm -hmm. Like, who? Who is this guy, right? That push for this, that, you know, so my relationship with God was still a little tension because I'm like, it was hard for me to go to church knowing that I said this off before God. And then I, I went back on that. Um, so it affected me because I just didn't know who I was. So I, I did the next best thing that, that the old men give you advice for. They're like, you know, just find someone new. Everybody thinks that the way to get over the last one. And I'm true. like, who's not true? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who said that? Like, that's it's like the lie. worst piece of advice. So I did that though, right? I took some bad advice, and I was like, I, I'm gonna find someone totally different. Like, I saw the all the things I projected on her that were her weaknesses in my eyes. I found someone totally different, and what I realized as she was like, I just met this good guy. He might be divorced, but we're we're going. I realized that I was looking for my ex-wife in this new person. Like I wanted her to be different, but I wanted her to be familiar. So guys, it was doomed before it started, right? Because I didn't realize I didn't know what I wanted. Because I'm like, I said I didn't want the ex-wife, but I'm looking for her same traits. So, so what don't I want? And then it also affected me because I pushed for this divorce. Guys, I pushed it. Like you see people pushing a broke down car. I mean, I pushed this joint hard. And <laughs> so then I realized I didn't want to be the bad guy again. So then I became the extra nice guy, aka the guy that's indecisive, aka the guy that just like hurts people because they're too indecisive to tell them how they really feel. So I became that guy. Um, because I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't want to be bad guy. 
And I was just constantly trying to fill this void that, that maybe was a void, maybe wasn't a void, but in my mind, it was like a huge void. And I'm trying to do all those things with this heavy feeling of just shame. Mm-hmm. And like, I felt like I was being judged. People didn't know me, but I didn't want to say I'm divorced, but they, it was just shameful. So you feel um, people are judging you because you were a young divorcee is what you're saying? I think so. And, and I'll even say social media, right? Social media doesn't make it any easier because no, it doesn't. You post not. all those pictures. You post engagement pictures. So they always post the false hope of an expectation of perfection, which does not exist. That's gospel right there. Because <laughs> we definitely posted all of our best engagement pictures, wedding pictures, vacation, you know, vacation pictures. That's the thing now. But like we had some really lit vacation pictures, you know, on, on white sand beaches, on pink sand beaches, all chocolate skin, you know, looking like Jet Beauty of the Week. So what I felt like is all of a sudden you went from that to single, ready to mingle. You're not going to post that. You're not going to post the fact that you the only do up a happy hour by yourself looking a little creepish because you haven't been in the game for 10 years and and now you're back in the game. So I just felt like even though people didn't know me, I felt so out of place everywhere I went. And I felt like the eyes were on me because imagine being out of the dating game for 10 years and then jumping back into it. Right? It's a whole new language now. It's like you got Instagram now, didn't have it before. Right. Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Facebook got video. I'm telling you, I just felt like I was. I didn't know the lingo. I didn't even know like emoticons. So I felt like I was being judged. Okay. So with that, with your effects of it and going through those hard times, what are some ways that you're able to cope with your decision and going through being a divorcee? So, so the first way was, was dating, right? Just, I'm just going to ignore everything and find something new. And that wasn't a good coping mechanism at all. So the second thing I turned to, which kind of goes hand in hand with constantly dating almost guys, was happy hours, right? Like you go from like maybe having one glass of wine every two weeks to having a couple glasses of wine a night, seven nights a week, you know? And and I think that's just because I wasn't comfortable with the thoughts in my head. Like I wasn't comfortable with me doing self-care or self-work or any type of work. I was just trying to numb the pain. Mm-hmm. So I, I did those two things. I, I dated and I drunk until I hit like a rock bottom. And everyone kind of, you know, you hit a place where you realize that you need some help to get over some of the, the past pains. Um, mm-hmm. Mine didn't come until I was a good two years, like a year and a half in, after divorce, almost two years when people say you should be like turning that corner. That's when I hit my lowest and I realized the void I was looking for wasn't another wife. It wasn't having a good time. It wasn't a new flex. It wasn't any of that stuff. It it was my relationship with God. That's the thing that deteriorated when my dad died. That's the thing I lost. So how I coped is I recommitted my life to God, not saying I became perfect, but I got baptized and I started getting more plugged into my local church. And that was probably my rock bottom. And since then, I started running again. I started getting a good support system. 
I'm still, as I'm coping, guys, I, I would still say I'm definitely, I'm sorry, not really good at dating because um, I haven't exactly found out all the traits that work well with me. And even if I do get presented with a good option, um, I felt like I'm, I'm too indecisive to say, you know what, God, I'm going to walk in your promise. But that's kind of how I've been coping. I had to reconnect to my faith. Like this chocolate girl right here, she calls me out on, on some BS when I be doing it. Sure will. And guys, it's often. Right? You need that person in your corner that will call you out often and as frequently as you need it. Guys, as you're rebounding, do not get those yay and yes people and those hype men in your corners. It's not going to do anything for you. But going back to what you said about hitting your rock bottom or finding that place where it's your darkest. Um, I think I've personally been through it and I've heard stories of people either giving testimonies or just sharing their truths of they didn't really understand or see that the option that they had left was the only way to go was up. So you felt like you're already at your bottom. You felt like there was no light at the end of your tunnel. Um, you didn't have anyone to turn to. Um, and I don't want to get that confused with saying that you can't have friends to vent to and you can't have that support system to pour out all of your emotions on because that's so important. Just being a human, like companionship is always going to be wanted in some form, platonic or romantic. Um, but I just strongly believe that from my experience of going through dark times, um, leaning on God was something that I never considered to be the priority. It was always, well, how am I going to look on the outside to others? Yeah. Um, how are they going to judge me if I react to this situation? And should I react how I really feel or should I react to the way that I know that they would be pleased? Um, so you just have all those thoughts in your head and you kind of figure out at some point, well, dang, if me trying to please myself and others isn't making me happy, then what other option do I have? Um, but it always comes back full circle where I personally have always leaned back on faith and just coming from a background of a family who will pray with you day and night, anytime you need it. You can call your mom on the phone and say, hey, she'd be like, what's wrong? She already knows. It's just that discernment yeah. that's just so strong, you know? And I like it because now I feel like it's kind of who I'm becoming now. My friend calls or even texts me in a weird way. It's really strange and be like, okay, I know something's wrong or, hey, I don't know exactly what it is that's going on, but you have that support system that knows you better than anyone else, whether it's your mom or your siblings or your best friend or whoever it may be, that close person that just kind of knows you and can keep you on track. Um, I definitely need it sometimes. I know my go-to is my best friend and not saying that she's the person I go to before God, definitely not. But um, I know she's always there as well as my support system and my family. But um, I just think it's very important that everyone has someone that they can talk to. And if they feel they don't have anyone, just know that just start talking to God, read some scripture, listen to some worship music. Um, I'm not saying turning on Tupac is going to help. I'm not saying it's not going to help, but just something to keep I don't know. <laughs> grounded. So I like that. Um, and, and to piggyback that, guys, because... A lot of times you hear that I hit rock bottom, I hit rock bottom. But let me just be honest, guys. Some people live at their rock bottom for like long periods of time because they don't have that support system or they haven't talked to God. So like if you're not happy with where you are, like you could be at that prolonged rock bottom. Like 
I think it's important that you have to get to that point that you want something great for your life too. Like, cause you can have a support system, but if you never call on them, it ain't serving you. Like you can have people like this chocolate girl that call you out that will, that will help you out and that will pray for you. But if you don't pick up the phone, it doesn't work for you. So once you hit that rock bottom, guys, you guys got to come to a point where you don't want to be there anymore. You know? But with you saying calling on your support system, you can call on them all day, but if you're not adhering to the advice, I mean, what's the point? I know I can go back to college days of calling my best friend, girl, he did it again. I'm done. Like I can't do it anymore. And then you go back and do the same thing two weeks later or even two hours later for just keeping it real when you knew better and they told you better. But it's just that thing of being adults where your parents always say, I could have told you so, but I knew you had to learn it on your own type of thing. So I think that yeah. love kind of puts a lot of things in perspective for an individual as well. So, but nonetheless, That's true. And don't get defensive and don't be acting like no victim. You got to be able to hear some of that hard truth. Keeping it real. Everybody struggles with swallowing the pill of hearing the truth. So it's not always an easy thing. So what lessons did you learn while going through the divorce? <laughs> the first lesson I learned is never give up. I know it's kind of funny because you just gave up, but nah, I learned that. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm like. I'm like, I learned that though. Now nah, I learned, I learned this and some of you guys could connect to this. Um, a lot of times we, we give up, but our breakthrough is like right around the corner. Right? A lot of times we, yeah, a lot of times we say, yo, this is too hard. And, and we know because God would show us, our friends would show us, or somehow we'll figure out that if we just would have done it a little bit longer, like we, we would have got there. So I learned that through the divorce. All right. You better because, preach. Um, yeah. Cause you know, I, and I also learned something else too. It is cheaper to keep her. That's a word right there. Oh, let's go <laughs> to the next one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I learned that, you know, I learned that love isn't a feeling. This is what I learned. Because a lot of times people, they, they break up or get divorced because they, they've fallen out of love. And then these shows, you know, they, they can like love is blind and married first sight. They're like, no, you can like learn to love. But I learned that love is simple, right? Love is a choice that you make every day. That you wake up and you see that person and you choose to love them. And I learned that if I'm looking for a fleeting feeling or if I'm looking for, you know, the butterflies or when I kiss you, like my heel kicks back, then I'm not really looking for love because love is a committed choice I make every day. That's what I learned. Um, and I learned, guys, because um, a lot of us, we pray for things, right? Like we pray for sometimes worldly things. Like we pray for like a Mercedes cheap wagon or Ferrari, you know, kind of get into my prayers. But I've learned that God, like praying to God is enough. You got to be willing to, to put in the work. Like you might pray for this. And if you never put any works behind that, it's like, what are you doing? And that's what I learned as I was going through the divorce. I always was like, God is bigger than this issue. But I was slowly nurse and feed that issue. Um, so I had, I just learned you gotta be, you gotta be willing. You know? And, um, yeah, some people might, the last lesson I really learned about going through the divorce is when we attack or put all our problems on our partner or our girlfriend or our family members, whoever you're 
you know, a close relationship with, that person doesn't feel chosen and everyone wants to feel chosen. This is what I realized. So I realized you got to stop projecting your hurt on anybody and everybody that's close to you. Because people want to be chosen. People want to be cherished. People want to be affirmed. So I learned that going through going through a divorce. Um, and what, what things did you learn about Will that's kind of made you to who you are today? <laughs> um, I, I learned that uh, I'm not really good at dating. You know, like, I'm, I don't know how y'all do it. Chocolate girls and, and chocolate men. Can I, can I say that? I don't, sure. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Dating now is so complicated. And what I learned is, is you know, marriage is easy compared to dating. Dating, you got to do background checks with some people. You know, you got to make sure you show up on early on time, dress right with the right lingo. You got to learn like the newest TikTok dance before you go to a wedding now. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm just not built for that. <laughs> and and one thing I did learn for me is even though I'm dating is tough for me, I, I realized this. Most of the best accomplishments um, in my life have come from when I was in a, a ordered, uh, committed relationship with someone that God brought my way. And, and I learned that because a lot of times, guys, maybe just me, right? <laughs> we like to tell ourselves that we're great and we could do anything and everything. And, and what I learned is some of your greatest achievements are, are out of relationships whether they're family members or, or people you date, if they're God sent relationships, they typically produce great fruit. So I just learned that it wasn't, I was not as great as I thought I was, is, is what I learned. But I also wasn't as bad as I thought I was either. All right. So with that being said, yeah. could you kind of give someone some encouraging words um, who's maybe contemplating divorce or they're going through it or dealing with the aftermath of it? Sure. I would say, guys, if, if you're going through a divorce or thinking about a divorce or even the aftermath of a divorce, figure out what was the root of it. Right. And what I what I mean is what's the root of the issue is it's not about the other person, because, I mean, God already told you in the word, don't put your faith in, in man. Right. So we already know that people are imperfect. But when I say what's the root of it, it's like look inside yourself. And, and see, like, what's the root of this hurt or this separation or this pain or, or this shame or whatever you're feeling like? Where did it come from? Right. Because a lot of time it could be a seed that that person planted or it could be a seed that you planted. But there's a seed. And whether or not you go through the divorce or if you stay married, you still got to deal with that seed. So I would say figure out what the root is. Right. And the second thing, guys. Like Chocolate Girl told you, it takes a village. It takes a support system. Like before you make that choice, go to your spiritual leader, go to your parents, go through through people that you admire their their marriage because everyone need a mentor. Like it is, it's not just going to be a a me decision. It, it should take a village. And if you're divorced already, just know that you might want to seek out some help because there could be hurt there that you don't even know is there. Seek out help with the at the church, get counseling, get good godly friends, like all of those things. But also remember that your better days are ahead of you. If you're married, your better days in that marriage can be ahead of you. If you're divorced, 
you aren't who you think you are. Your better days are ahead of you. Yeah. And, and just take your time, guys. It's a process. You know, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So lace up those track shoes. Get ready to go through some dirt. Yeah, and just oh. run it out. I agree with that. Well said. Well said. <clears throat> well, thank you all for joining us. Um, I hope that someone was able to kind of relate to some of the things that you were saying about your experiences and what you went through, what you learned, um, ways that you coped with it, new things you learned about yourself, um, and also just the words of encourage, the words of encouragement that you just shared um, with dealing with those things of the support system and maybe finding a spiritual mentor or um, someone that you can talk to about your problems or like you said, counseling. Um, and also you can go to the sources yourself, which is God. If you need that voice of building your relationship to hear from better or strengthening your faith or whatever it may be, um, just know that even if those spiritual mentors aren't there, or those friends are picking up the phone in your time of need, or that counselor is not able to book that appointment for you. You always have someone on speed dial, and that's God. Um, anytime you have any dark moments or any doubts or any issue that you're having, I'm not saying that man's not one that you can depend on, but I also want everyone to take into consideration that nothing's too hard for God. Um, he's done everything but fail. That's something that he's not good at. He possibly cannot do is fail you. Um, so don't look at those dark times as a sentence of darkness or I deserve this or I earn this or I don't deserve better because that's not true. Um, he takes his biggest and best warriors through those dark storms to shine your armor and make you better for your level next, ultimately. Um, so just know everything's intentional. It may not be ideal what you're looking at or the things that are surrounding you, but there's always something on the better side of that heel. Again, thank you so much, Will, for joining us. We really, really appreciate you giving your man's perspective. You're actually our first male guest on here. How do you feel? What? You what, what? Man, I'm feeling chosen right now. I'm feeling chosen. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give me an inch. You know, I take a mile. Oh, goodness. So, um, if this is your first time joining us, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, if you're returning, thanks for tuning in again and joining us and listening to this topic. Um, if you have not done so as of yet, please don't hesitate to join the Diver Chocolate Girl family. We love and we welcome all. Come on, come join us. I know you're thinking about it. Um, we are on all major streaming platforms, which includes iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And you can also connect with us on Facebook and IG at Diary of a Chocolate Girl. Also, if you wanted to share your thoughts on today's episode or any previous episodes we've recorded, um, I always love to hear from you guys and what you're thinking. So make sure you tell a friend. Um, this is a great topic for anyone that's dealing with this issue or going through it. Um, hopefully it inspires and helps someone navigate through their own personal experiences as of now. Again, thank you, Will. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye, ladies.